Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a power-packed show for you today, just lots of new explosive information. Special guests include Kathleen Pasadoma. She is the president of the Florida State Senate. We'll also visit Boo Mortensen. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will be joining us as well. It is August the 15th. Happy birthday, Jeff, my son. And on this day in 1899 in Detroit, Michigan, Henry Ford resigned his position as chief engineer at the Edison Illuminating Company main plant in order to concentrate on the automobile production uh, business that he was forming in his own mind. Henry Ford left his family's farm in Dearborn, Michigan at age 16 to work in a machine shop in Detroit. In 1888, he married Clara Bryan and then had a son, Edsel, in 1893. That same year, Ford was made engineer, chief engineer at Edison, charged with keeping the city's electricity flowing. Ford was on call 24 hours a day with no regular work hours. It was not working, and when he was not working, he'd tinker away at his real goal of building a gasoline-powered vehicle. He completed his first functioning gasoline engine at the end of 1893, his first horseless carriage called the Quadricycle by 1896. In the summer of 1998, Ford was awarded his first patent in the name of his investor and Detroit's mayor, William C. Maybury, for a carburetor he built the previous year. <clears throat> by the middle of, uh, of the following summer, Ford had produced his third car, a much more advanced model than the previous two efforts. It had a water tank and brakes and other th new features. Mayberry's support, combined with Ford's bold ideas and charisma, helped assemble a group of investors who contributed some $150,000 to establish the Detroit Automobile Company in early August 1899. Ten days later, Ford left Edison, where he worked for the previous eight years. He turned down a considerable salary at the time of $1,900 per year and the title of general superintendent to become mechanical uh, superintendent of the new automobile company with a salary of $150 a month. The Detroit Automobile Company was one of the some 60 aspiring automobiles makers in America at the time and had struggled to keep up with the stiff competition provided by the likes of Packard of Ohio and Olds Motor Works of Lansing, Michigan. The company began to collapse in the middle of its second year of operation and ceased doing business in November of 18, 1900. Maybury and others reta uh, retained their faith in Ford, however, and in late 1901, they backed him as chief engineer of the Henry Ford Company. This effort fared as well and failed as well, and uh, Ford uh, put all of his hopes in a make-or-break third effort. That's a couple of failures. Ford Motor Company, founded in the mid-June uh, of 1903, wrote its first Model A that July and continued to grow steadily over the next uh, several years. The release of the now legendary Model T or Tin Lizzie in 1908 <clears throat> catapulted Ford Motor Company into the leading ranks of American automobilers makers and turned it, uh, its founder, a farm boy from Dearborn, into one of the world's richest men. Interesting story. Again, uh, failure attends a lot of success in life, doesn't it? And that's certainly the case with Henry Ford. 
Well, here's the explosive news. A Georgia grand jury, Monday night, about 11 o'clock last night, handed up its indictment charging former President Donald Trump and 18 others with engaging in a broad conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. The indictment was a dramatic conclusion to a two-year-plus investigation by Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, a Democrat. In addition to the former president, others facing charges include uh, Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, Attorney Jenna Ellis, John Eastman, Kenneth Cheesebro, and a whole list of others. Trump and Meadows are accused of working together to direct longtime aide John McEntee to disrupt and delay the January 6, 2021 joint session of Congress to certify then-Democrat President-elect Joe Biden's win. All 19 defendants face racketeering charges under the Racketeer Influenced and Corruption Organizations Act, also known as the RICO Act. Uh, Trump also uh, faces a myriad of conspiracy charges and multiple counts of soliciting a public official to violate their oath. <clears throat> he also faces charges for allegedly making false statements to state legislators and officials. Other charges were related to voting machines and so-called false electors. Uh, today, based on the information developed by the investigation in the Fulton County, grand jury returned a, a true bill of indictment, Willis said, after the indictment was made around 11 o'clock last night. Willis also said she had uh, issued arrest warrants for all 19 defendants but gave them the opportunity to surrender voluntarily by August the 25th. In addition, Willis said she hopes to create a schedule that would start the trial in, trial in six months and plans to try all 19 defendants together. The racketeering charge carries a mandatory prison sentence. There are reportedly 30 unindicted co-conspirators. The charges against Trump appear to be identical to those erroneously posted, then swiftly deleted before the grand jury concluded the proceedings. Earlier in the day, a website for Fulton County briefly listed a litany of criminal charges against the former president, but promptly deleted them. Now, this is before the grand jury completed its investigations, its interviews, as well as its, as its indictment. So they went ahead and posted it anyhow. <clears throat> Fate accomplished, I guess they figured. The 98-page indictment alleged a widespread and ranging conspiracy using the same racketeering laws that have been used to bring down the mob and drug cartels. It identified over 160 acts that prosecutors allege were part of the racketeering scheme, including Trump's phone call to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, asking him to find enough votes to declare Trump the winner, an effort to obtain a voting machine, and the submission of false information to the state legislature. After the announcement, Trump campaign called the indictment bogus, which it certainly is. Fulton County, Georgia's uh, radical Democrat DA Fannie Willis is a rabid partisan who's campaigning and fundraising on the platform of prosecuting President Trump through these bogus indictments, the uh, statement read. Ripping a page from crooked Joe Biden's playbook, Willis has strategically installed her investigation uh, and maximally interfered with the 2024 presidential race and damaged the dominant Trump campaign. All of these corrupt Democrats' attempts will fail, said the statement. Barricades uh, went up last week around the Fulton County Courthouse, uh, although there was no uh, violence or anything like that. She claims, however, she's received racial threats over the matter, which is probably bogus. There are no reports of problems outside of Fulton County Courthouse at midnight. So there's the scoop, uh, and again, another attempt. I'm sure uh, Trump's popularity will even enhance more as a result of this, but this is <laughs> this is so bogus. It's unbelievable. Uh, more lawfare against uh, President Donald Trump. 
Well, President Biden offered a stone-hearted uh, no-comment Sunday when asked about the mounting death toll in the catastrophic Maui wildfire, the deadliest U.S. fire in more than a century after uh, sunning himself on the beach near the Del- his Delaware home. The commander-in-chief gave the unsympathetic non-answer uh, about the death toll climb to 96 late Sunday. After a couple of hours on Rehoboth Beach, the president went at- was asked about the rising de- death toll in Hawaii. Uh, and Bloomberg reporter Justin Sink wrote on X, or Twitter, the social media site formerly known as Twitter, no comment, he said before heading home, adding that White House correspondent who posted a photo of Biden uh, lounging with a group of people in a distance. Later, President Joe Biden on Sunday morning uh, told reporters that he was considering making a trip to Hawaii to see himself the devastation called by the, caused by the wildfires. So he backpedaled a little bit. Biden was spending the weekend at his Oceanside house in Rehoboth Beach, uh, Delaware. Where did he get the money to buy that, by the way? Mm, I think he probably came from bribes. But uh, nobody's, well, we are looking into it, but certainly the Justice Department is doing nothing about it. The U.S. Postal Service uh, reported a $1.7 billion loss in the third quarter, adding to, to its ongoing losses for the once self-sufficient agency. U.S. Postal Service, an independent federal establishment that is mandated by, to be self-financing, said the third quarter losses were almost exclusively to the non-cash impact of the Postal Service Reform Act in April 2022. The act removed the Postal Service's obligation to pre-fund retiree health benefits and eliminated all previously imposed pre-funding requirements that remain unpaid, among other charges. The law was intended to improve the Postal Service's financial sustainability but in spite of that, $1.7 billion losses in, uh, in the third quarter. Continuing rising costs in several areas of our business pose a th- challenge, you think? Chief uh, Financial Officer Joseph Corbett said in a statement, we continue to manage the costs within our control, such as reducing work hours by 6 million hours compared to the same quarter last year and by focusing on transportation and other tra- operating costs. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy said the uh, Postal Service continues to face inflation and other uh, pressures. Of course, the same pressures that the uh, uh, private sector deal with every day, but nevertheless, uh, if they had those kinds of losses, they'd be out of business. Our team is working hard to reduce our cost performance, which is helping to offset sizable inflationary and economic pressures, he said in a statement. We are setting the stage for long-term financial stability as we continue to modernize uh, processing, transportation, retail, and delivery networks. Congress designed the U.S. Post Office to be self-sustaining, but in fiscal 2007, expenses overtook revenue. This has led to losses of $87 billion through 2020. The agency is further saddled with $188 billion in unfunded liabilities and debt, according to the 2021 report from the U.S. Government Accountability Office. The U.S. Postal Service is the largest postal service in the world, delivering an estimated 49% of all the mail sent globally. So in spite of all of that, though, you know, we are. <laughs> this is just another government operation that is uh, losing money that could never happen in the private sector. They'd be out of business by now. Now, it, it is in the Constitution that we're to have a postal service. There's no question about that, but uh, it's, not, it's being mismanaged, clearly. Well, change will be coming to Argentina, a country that has suffered through an 80-year catastrophic experiment in socialism. 
the primary result, which have uh, every candidate appear on the ballot, are usually a good predictor of how general elections will go. Argentina will vote on October the 22nd with a possible runoff on November the 19th. Javier Milai, probably mispronouncing that, founder of the far-right coalition La Libertad Alvanza, gave an exultant speech after getting 30% of the vote in Sunday's primary elections. He uh, currently represents Buenos Aires City as a national deputy, uh, was the coalition's sole presidential candidate. The far-right libertarian economist's victory came as a surprise. He scornfully referred to career politicians as the caste and his economic program as the chainsaw plan, a nod to his proposed wide-ranging budget cuts and drastically reducing the size of the state. One of his trademark proposals, which can define pre-electoral discourse, is to abolish the central bank, effectively dollarizing the economy and abolishing the peso in a bid to combat inflation. We're facing the end of the model of the caste, the model based on the atrocity which says that uh, there is a need, a right to be born, but that they forget about the right to have to pay for it, he said. It's maximum expression. Their aberration calls for social justice that makes us all unequal before the law, a model that translates into a strong deficit. So there's hope coming up in November that uh, with this new conservative, you know, he kind of admires Donald Trump, will end up uh, becoming the president of Argentina. I say Argentina. Buenos Aires. Yeah, Argentina. Interesting story. We can only hope. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com also brought to you by life in naples magazine be in the know and stay up to date by reading life in naples the website is lifeinnaples.net come on up kathleen pasadomo are the president of the florida state senate that and more right here on the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabee's.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us our state senate president, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. Good morning, Kathleen. I understand you're having a nice vacation. Well, this is my husband's one and only vacation in about four years, so we're taking a week off to hike, which is not my my druthers, but anything for him. Oh, God bless you. Well, that's wonderful. So uh, I know uh, that uh, you're supporting the DeSantis campaign and his friend for the president, uh, presidential nomination of the Republican Party. Uh, what if you could give us an update? Well, you know, first of all, people ask, you know, why I have chosen to support uh, Ron DeSantis. And I think it's important for people to realize that um, there were so many good things that he did as governor um, and that I worked with him on. Uh, the Live Local Act, he was instrumental in getting that done. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I think that's critical. Um, the Wildlife Corridor, he has been a, a big supporter of the environment ever since he took office. And, you know, he and I had many conversations about, um, you know, sustainability and environmental issues in our state. So when you get rid of all the rhetoric um, that the press are, and as you know, because you you comment all the time, a lot of the things that they're saying, um, and you get down to what he did that was really uh, impactful for for my constituents and, and my agenda, he was on spot. Um, I get along really well with him. Um, I have met with him regularly. Um, the kind of comments that you read in the press, uh, personal comments about him, I did not find to be accurate. Um, I found him to be very personable. And, um, I, you know, so he's, he's a person that I can get behind, and, and I am doing that um, as I can. Yeah, he's been an outstanding governor, working with the legislature to, in a great way. I think getting a lot done and a lot. You you'd mentioned the Live Local Act. I think that's what you call yeah, it. Yeah, that's my uh, 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 the um, workforce housing bill, and uh, you know he's been very supportive of that because you know Florida Florida 
is in a, in a uh, crisis with regard to workforce housing. Yeah. I'm not talking about Section 8 housing or HUD housing. I'm talking about the people that work for us, the people who work in the banks, who work in the hospitals, the people who are the secretaries, the, you know, the, the people right out of college who can't afford to live in their hometown and have to live in their parents' basements, you know, that kind of thing. And he's been very supportive of that and very thoughtful. He personally read the bill. He had comments on it because I sat down with him and he said, oh, I want to do this, this, and this, which we did, which were good comments. So I, you know, I, I fully support him for his quest for the presidency. Well, he's been a great, uh, a great governor. I think he's received a few <laughs> punches in the nose on the national scene with regard to running for president. So I think it's a well, great I experience think for him. that's his number one opponent, uh, ginning that one up. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I, my, my point is that uh, I think this is great for experience him because I know whether he makes the no gets the nomination or not, but, uh, he has got a great future in the leadership of our country. So I think uh, I just really am very pleased with uh, the work that he's done. I was wondering if you could give us an update. Right now we're seeing, of course, insurance costs go up as a result of the Hurricane Ian and all the things that have happened. And uh, I'm not seeing a lot of new carriers coming into town or coming into Florida. So can you give us an update on that? I would know it was an important initiative uh, in the last yeah. legislature. The um, Actually, just uh, yesterday, uh, the Office of Insurance Regulation approved uh, a second new property and casualty insurer. And they've assumed 280,000 policies from citizens. Wow. So uh, that that's a, a good sign. Um, also, some of the larger carriers um, are seeing a, a reduction in the number of claims, the ones that are, are here. And I recently got an email from, uh, I can't remember the name. It, <laughs> I get so many emails a day, I can't remember what, right. what's what. Uh, that they're very... Um, uh, positive about the reforms that we put in place. You know, we knew it, it, it wasn't going to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're in a society of instant gratification. Right. I know I'm one of those people. Like, you do something, you want it to have results in five minutes, it just doesn't happen, but it's starting to uh, uh, sort itself out. So the, the most recent one was Mainsail Insurance Company, which is a Texas company. They were uh, approved. Um, again, they took 280,000 policy. Slide insurance uh, was the first one approved, and they've taken um, that number and more uh, out of citizens. So I think uh, we're going to start to see this uh, slowly but surely take hold. And I'm, I'm really uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that because it's, it, it's still going to be a problem, and people are still having to go on citizens. But I think in the next two years, we're going to see a huge shift. Well, thanks for that update. Two, two questions. Uh, how many uh, uh, households does Citizens Insure? Well, we're over a million now. Uh, we were down to about five uh, 500,000 uh -huh. uh, before Irma, I think. And, uh, you know, with the 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 number of, of insureds that are have not been renewed policies have not been renewed systems has had to take on more we also need to start looking at reforms to citizens a simple reform being um, we citizens is insuring second homes of people who live up north mm -hmm. that's wrong uh, if if you have a if citizens should only be insuring 
uh, Florida residents in their primary uh, residence rather than vacation homes and the like. Because if you can afford a vacation home, you should be able to afford the insurance. So, you know, things like that we're going to have to take a look at. Mm, so interesting. Again, Kathleen Pasadomo, our president of the state Senate here in Florida. Just genuinely appreciate your taking time, especially from your vacation. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Morton. We'll find out what's new with Boo. She's a former radio personality in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show and the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Gulf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Gulf Shore Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities with dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, Gulf Shore Playhouse is building a 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, the -the state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about this season's exciting productions, Visit GulfShorePlayhouse.org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure, Bob, and I have to say that I have gone back to the movie theaters. Wow, what have you seen? There have been some great movies this summer, and, you know, I'm a big movie fan, and (laughs) there's something so... I don't know, so much fun about going back to a movie theater. So I've seen Oppenheimer. I've seen Sound of, of uh, Freedom. I've seen the Tom Cruise movie. And last but not least, I saw Barbie. Wow. And uh, Barbie made, so far I think it's grossed a billion dollars at the box office, which is staggering. Yes, it me. is. Um, and not only has Barbie hit it big this summer, 
so have two other women performers, Beyonce on her tour and then Taylor Swift. And I will tell you that women performers and this, this Barbie movie, I'll tell you, they have gone wild. Women have embraced going, especially going to these tours. They are spent, uh, spending unprecedented money on tickets and flying, getting their hotels, food. And uh, it's, it's the summer of women. Well, it certainly sounds like it, Boo. Now, tell us about Barbie. I haven't had no inclination at all to go see Barbie. What are your thoughts about that? Well, you know, I was at a mov- another movie, and uh, the Barbie movie let out in the movie theater that I was at. And all of a sudden, the whole lobby is filled with all these girls and women and uh, guys all dressed in pink, and they're all, you know, twirling around the lobby of the movie theater. Ah. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this must be a great movie. So I went. I took my 12-year-old granddaughter. Hmm. And I've got to say, this is an adult movie. So I think a lot of people may have thought they were going. It was going to be like a Disney animated movie for kids. Nope. It has got an adult theme. Um, I think it would be fair to say that there's a fair amount of male bashing in it and uh, masculine toxicity, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an adult-themed movie, and I walked out of there going, huh, well, wow. So I asked my granddaughter, what did you think of the movie? She said, I didn't get it. <laughs> and, you know, she's, and she's 12. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It was absolutely perplexing to me. Well, the one movie that you've seen that I, we saw, and uh, we don't go to the movie theaters often, we wanted to see this, The Sound of Freedom, and it's made, I think, about $173 million so far. Big surprise. Only $14.5 million uh, ind- independently produced movie. And uh, I just thought it was uh, fantastic. Oh, I did, too. I I enjoyed it. It gave me the heebie-jeebies, the subject about a child sex trafficking. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to believe that it is alive and well. Nobody wants to believe that America is the big procurer uh, of uh, child sex trafficking. I mean, there's so much about it that you go, oh my heavens. Mm. In fact, Bob, I have to say that at some point during the movie, I thought, I'm not sure I can sit and watch this. Well, the interesting thing is all the information you mentioned about uh, child trafficking in the United States and so forth, that was kind of uh, uh, revealed at the end of the movie the story in and of itself, of course, is true, and it, uh, I thought it was just in a very inspiring story of a guy who had made so many sacrifices uh, for, uh, for uh, saving these kids. The Ballard. Tim yeah. Ballard. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah he has. Uh, you know, it's all true stories. Yeah. I mean, it's all this movie is based on true stories, which makes it even more horrific when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised that they have attached so much political wrangling around it and uh, and the woke versus conservative. I mean, sex child trafficking, I don't know what your politics, or it doesn't make any difference what your politics are. This is nasty, bad stuff and should never be allowed to happen. And somehow 
it's been the movie has been so politicized yeah. that uh, I, that I don't get. I don't know if it's Hollywood running this. I don't know. I agree with that. And f- frankly, it should be a concern for every American. We should uh, do whatever we can to end uh, child tr- uh, sex trafficking or, or any kind of trafficking, human trafficking. And uh, to me, the, the the message is so important. And if, once you embrace it and you understand what's going on, to me, I just felt like we need to do something about this. I'm all ears with regard to legislation or activities or whatever it might be to end this type of behavior. Well, I think the problem is complicated because of social media. Yeah. And so much of this is said through the dark web, and it's it's a breeding ground yeah. for this kind of activity. So how do you stop it? I don't know. I actually, somebody sent me a TED Talk of a woman that deals with uh, controlling and accessing the dark web and how to stop it, uh-huh. and I'll forward it on to you. I would appreciate it because I know nothing about the dark web. Uh, I, I wouldn't know how to access it or anything like that. Do you know? Have you have you quote unquote visited the dark web? No. Yeah. You know, I say that dark web. I don't even know what it is. I think <laughs> yeah. it's all bad stuff. Exactly. You know, it, it's yeah. humanity at its most depraved. Yeah. I've heard such good, uh, good things. And isn't it too bad that there is a dark web? Exactly. Uh, where I, I think, what I understand is a lot of the sex trafficking go, is going on, quite frankly, communication about it. I'd love to get your thoughts on Oppenheimer. You know, I it's a fabulous movie. Um, you know, we all grew up, because we're old, um, during that era, or at least close to it. Yeah. And it's fascinating how they developed the bomb. They initially wanted to drop it on Germany to kill Hitler, yeah. but it took too long to to develop it. And I, I guess there's, I have two questions. All would the war have ended anyway without bombing Japan? And why do we bomb two cities? Yeah. Wouldn't one have been enough? Well, apparently. Uh we, uh, first of all, warned them, warned the Japanese that we were going to drop the bomb. Uh, they uh, said, no, we're not going to resolve. We're not going to surrender. We're not going to uh, resolve this. So they dropped the bomb, uh, the first one. And again, let's say they repeated, uh, well, we understand the, the damages and what happened to us, but we're still not going to uh, resign or surrender. Uh, and uh, so they dropped the second bomb. Uh, the equivalent of 22,000 tons of tnt is what the uh, uh i think the second bomb was even more explosive than the first uh, or larger created more damage 60 to eighty thousand people uh killed with the second bomb so uh, it's it was absolutely so destructive in one way on the other hand i mean the uh, japanese killed millions of people, they killed millions of Chinese. They their 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 war operation was just incredibly intense and it's very destructive. So uh, uh, while I, you hate to see innocent people killed on one hand, on the other hand, you hate to see the war continue and see the destruction the Japanese had towards uh, other people around the world. Oh, I agree, but it's it's you know it, it, the movie also addresses his moral dilemma of developing a bomb of mass destruction. And I wish that they had gone into that a little bit more in depth 
Yeah. Um, because if he hadn't developed it, somebody else would have. Sure. And here we are all these years later. Yeah. And now countries like North Korea have bombs. Um, how many times do we need to blow up the world? Uh, exactly. Well, so far, uh, the development of the bomb has been a deterrent of uh, dropping, you know, but um, we're getting closer and closer to the, to the point where this may no, no longer be a deterrent. It might be used. That would be a very, very sad day. Again, uh, Boo Mortensen, always interesting to talk to you. Always a look forward to getting your point of view. Uh, it was a, a broad range of topics, Bob, from Barbie to bo Barbie to bomb. Exactly. <laughs> Boo, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. Uh, all right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. You've heard me talk about Lulubee's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center. Great breakfast and lunch. And now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. The menu is terrific. The value is terrific. And I uh, hope you'll visit Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. 
Yeah, we exist in a society scope and sphere of influence of government, and D.C. does not. No, it doesn't, uh, see. <laughs> but your work is important. Uh, your latest piece is really interesting. D.C. hasn't yet spent a penny for the CHIPS Act. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you know, I, I, w- I was marginally in favor of the CHIPS Act because we are so far, we've, we've outsourced all... Um, chip manufacturing which of course is in everything you turn on you know it's it's the it's it's in everything and you know military equipment uh computers everything you, you can't and we we we, we, we you know it, like everything else we spent the last five decades outsourcing it right and it's mainly now manufactured either in china or in neighboring countries to china that china can bully so once again, we set ourselves up to have our our biggest enemy hold our fate in our hands yet again. Whether it's vitamins or prescription drugs or right. or chips, they're all made in China or surrounding areas. And so I said, okay, look, it costs a lot of money to set up these these manufacturing uh, hubs called fabs um, fabricators. And it's a lot of money, and it's not, it's not like, you know, we, we spent so many years de- disincentivizing domestic manufacture. Um, I, I said, okay, let's spend some federal money to bring, bring, it, bring it back, yeah. uh, bring some of it back. So we passed the bill, and it, it passed. And then, and then recently, and, and the reason it caught my attention was a year has gone by since they passed the bill, and... Uh, you know, I, Joe Biden and his administration just broke both their arms, patting themselves on the back. You know, hey, year anniversary of the Chips Act, and yeah. how great is that? And, and I found a, a, a press release from Joe Biden himself. I found a press release from the White House. I found a press release from the Commerce Department, and then I stopped looking. I said, okay, you get the point. Um, well, it turns out it's been a year plus now and not a single dollar has been doled out by the government for the chip stack. Wow. They, they passed this bill. It's almost 50, I think 50, $52.7 billion to incentivize people to start building these multi, you know, these are, it's, it's, it's a couple hundred million dollars at least to build one of these facilities. Right. And then you got to staff them. And of course, they're running into problems too because. Our education system is so idiotic that we don't have any anybody that knows what they're doing in 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 the area. But setting that aside, a year later, not a so it turns out the Chips Act was just a promissory note. Yeah. Hey, we're going to spend money on this at some point, and of course, the government has already expanded itself. They hired 140 people to review applications. Oh. For what it turns out to be no money. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they did the, I couldn't find anywhere where it said how many people they've hired to, you know, dole out the money. And then my question becomes, gee, I wonder if those people will be let go after the $53 billion is spent. And my guess is, no, they won't. No, right. Um, but anyway, th- th- there's been no money doled out. And the way it's looking now... They've gone through, you know, fiscal year 2023 is almost up. They put they put almost no money into it. The next year looking even worse from a financial standpoint, and it only goes rapidly downhill from there because, of course, 
we owe $33 trillion almost, and that's hurtling skyward. And our interest payments now are $900 billion a year just on interest on the debt, and that's bigger than our Defense Department budget. And we owe, we're about we're somewhere between $100 trillion and $200 trillion short on Social Security and Medicare in the next 30 years. And so money is going to become increasingly scarce in D.C. Right. And they've already patted themselves on the back for this. You know, the, the joke is the reason they don't fix bridges and roads is because you can't rename fixed bridges and roads. Yeah. They'll build you a new bridge because then they get to name it after themselves. But then they don't fix them because they can't rename it after themselves. Well, I got a, well, diff- I got a different principle, and that is that uh, the, the politicians look forward to the ribbon com- uh, cutting, not to the implementation. In other words... Right. and that's, that's what it's looking like here. Yeah. It's looking like, hey, we got the... Hey, we even, we even celebrated the year anniversary of, this, of the passage of this bill. We yeah. haven't funded it yet. <laughs> but, but, hey, we're, we're very proud of ourselves for passing... The promise of of the Chips Act, and with actually no actually deliver no actual deliverables on the Chips Act. So what's really troubling about that is the fact that we actually you're right. It's a national security threat to not have our uh, own manufacturing of chips here in the United States to be dependent upon other countries, uh, especially Taiwan or or South Korea or wherever they might be coming or China. Uh, China's a, China's a big one of the I think the biggest one, and then. The, some of the countries you named are some of the others: Korea, South Korea, Taiwan. These 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 countries that aren't China but can be easily ac- accessed and bullied by China. Go right, ahead. right. So uh, we need to uh, get this done. And uh, why are we waiting? And I don't know. Is it is it the uh, we don't have companies applying for the money or people who want to start these businesses? I would imagine that's not the case. I would imagine everybody would like to receive something well, on the government. Well, the board. article said one article I, I read said there's 241 billion dollars in private money dedicated to building fabs once the federal money comes. So they're just sitting there going, okay, it's been a year, what's going on, and nothing's being done. Man, oh man, see, that's just uh, just another... You know what? What can we do to get government out of private enterprise? It always operates a lot better. uh, Well, yeah. And again, the only reason I supported this bill was because we spent five decades outsourcing it, shoving these jobs out the door. And you've got to, first of all, we're fighting, also, we're fighting against domestic subsidies from other countries. China subsidizes the crap out of this stuff. Right. And. And there was an article I was when I started out. I was going to write a different article really quick. There's advanced uh, chips, and then there's legacy chips, is what they're called. Right. And a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of products use just legacy chips. And we're focusing on the advanced chips, and we're ignoring the legacy chips. So now China's flooding subsidies into the legacy chips to dominate that marketplace, which is still a very important sector. And we're just we're we're just we're ceding that to China too now. Yeah, Seton, I just really appreciate you bringing light to these important issues. Uh, I really appreciate this conversation and uh, your insights into what's happening with regard to us chips and the Chip Act. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. Go go to uh, lessgovernment.org is the website. Lessgovernment.org. All right, coming up, going to visit with Linda Harden. Uh, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Thank you.
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, helping prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature, doing terrific work. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us Linda Harden. She's my wife. She's also very well informed about what's happening, not only around the globe, but also here on the Paradise Coast. Linda, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. I mean, the news is coming out like a fire hose. It, I've never seen so much uh, news. Let's, uh, you know what? I want to ask you, though, about the, uh, your thoughts on the uh, fa- fires in Maui. We've spent a lot of time in Maui, but I don't know how many trips. Fires, a lot. A lot of trips to Maui. One Some of, of them the, we can't remember because of all the alcohol we consumed. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, they were such great, great times. And it's so heartbreaking to see what's happened to Hawaii. Um, well, it is, and, and the, the place, Lahaina, that, that was burned to a crisp was a place we frequent and, frequent, and so often we were there. We were staying on, uh, at the Hyatt Regency in Kanapali Beach, and, and, um, and we went to the art galleries, <clears throat> excuse me, art galleries there, the, <coughs> excuse me, the macadamia nut factory, remember that? Oh, I do, indeed. <laughs> in fact, uh, uh, so many pleasant memories there uh, in Hawaii. You know, the water was so pristine and absolutely beautiful in, in Hawaii. But nevertheless, the devastation is just unbelievable. And as I understand it, they've located about 98 people. They've got these cadaver dogs. And uh, they said they've only covered about 3% of the area that uh, they need to cover. And the estimate is somewhere between 500 and 1,000 deaths as a result of this. And they're saying, this is kind of morbid. I'm sorry to even mention it on the show, but apparently some of the body, bodies that they're Vaporized. Body, just 
vaporized or just fall apart when they're trying to, to pick them up. Some uh, Someone we were listening to last night said it was... I think it was on Bannon's show last night that said that it was like she, the the woman she, he was talking to, uh, was living in New York during nine eleven, and she said it, the the what she was seeing in in Lahaina was this very similar to what she saw at nine eleven, where the, it was that ash mm-hmm. that that just I mean if you touch something it would just disintegrate. So it it's it's very mysterious what's going on. Some people are are you know they they referenced the horrible fires in in California, which was due to. Um, Pacific Gas and Electric, remember that? Yes. And they were they were referencing the Maui uh, power lines that they saw power lines that were down. Having said that, the winds there, oh by the way, were like ninety miles an hour. Yeah. And it wouldn't take a lot to fan flames of any fire, but the the but what it what it devastated and what it missed was very telling. In other words, all these. Uh, elite mansions that were close to Lahaina, whatever it didn't touch. It just it just scorched the um, the churches. There was one church that was left standing, but it scorched all the shops and stuff. Yeah. And 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 oh by the way, these people are going to rebuild, but but there are so many um, conspiracies, maybe not conspiracies about what what really happened there. And this Will Kane, who we watch on uh, Fox and Friends Weekend, he grew up there, didn't he? He didn't grow up there, but his mother and stepfather lived there. Mm. He spent a lot of his childhood there, and he said he just had his two sons baptized uh, in a church there that's no longer there because it was burned to the ground. So he's doing this, and he says there's. They said there's a free media there, but but the media's they're trying to lock down the media. Yeah, it's it's this this country is in a constant state of whack-a-mole. They're trying to cover up all these things that are happening and. All it is doing is drawing more attention to it. Well, I've got a theory, and, and it's uh, I have I don't have proof to back it up, but I do think after the Black Lives Matter, uh, all the destruction that happened in Minneapolis and places like that, I suspect that people are going to come in and buy up those property and develop them and make a fortune. I think the same thing could happen in Lahaina, as having developers buying the property and, uh, and guess guess who's buying up Lahaina? Mass mass quantities of property. Oprah Winfrey. She just bought another eight hundred and sixty acres. Wow. So uh, kind of makes my point. Again, it's, it's a theory. Occam's razor, as they say, you know, what, what makes the most sense for what's going on? Why did the alarms not go off, the most sophisticated alarm system in the world with regard to fires? That, that doesn't make any sense at all. No, um, no, it doesn't. So we're finding out more and more about those fires, and, and Will Kane is doing a, a miraculous job. And, oh, by the way, he said this morning, I just saw a little snippet on either Telegram or Twitter that, that, by the way, he's resorting to Twitter because some of the people on Fox are just like, they're interrupting him, interrupting him when they're trying to yeah. talk to him and stuff, getting their two cents worth. So he's, he's getting a lot of stories in there. But um, So last night, uh, 11, around 11 o'clock, the indictment finally came through. They posted it early, then they took it off the website, which makes it sh- shows you what a sham this whole thing Did is. Did you know that it was criminal to call Mike Pence a wimp? <laughs> no, that's the thing. They're trying to criminalize uh, politics. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crime to call Mike Pence a wimp. It's uh, so everything. they can't arrest all of us. Yeah, so it's it's just incredible what's going on. But this indictment uh, from President Donald Trump, and, and it's again, he, about, I think eighteen people are being indicted. Mark Meadows, people under the uh, uh, the RICO Act, uh, apparently uh, Georgia has its own RICO Act, so they're going to. Uh, 
trying to penalize it. I guess the reason they're doing that under state law is to avoid uh, the ability to pardon. You see, you can't pardon people for, for state crimes. Can I just uh, go back to Hawaii for just a second? Sure. Um, what was so sick, made me so sick to my stomach uh-huh. was when this fire happened, Joe Biden was on the beach. Oh, yeah. He had no comment, nothing. And then when he was asked, this is very telling, everybody. This was very telling. When he was going back, getting into his little SUV on his way back to D.C. to go to his helicopter, he was asked, uh, what about the fires? Um, do you have any comments about the fires in Maui? And he, you know what he said? Well, you know what he said. No but comment. He said, no. And, then, and then guess what he did? He smiled. He smiled. This guy is such a dirtbag, scumball. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even believe it. Yeah, you know, it's uh, uh, it it is unbelievable. You just can't make this stuff up, and it's becoming now the regular order. It's just how we come to expect this from Joe Biden. Uh, he, he doesn't tell the truth. He doesn't face the issues. I mean, Bidenomics. He's what a is, total retrobate. What what is Bidenomics? Bidenomics is. Uh, uh, selling off the government to get money for the politicians while the people suffer under uh, by, uh, under inflation and the destruction of the economy. They think we're stupid. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But, and by the way, there there are a lot of people out in, in in America that are stupid. I'm inclined to believe that most of the people who are buying all this garbage are the people in Washington D.C., in New York City, and in you know in in the place where they're in their their echo chambers where where they don't bother to find out what's really going on in America. It's true. It's true. Well, in any event, uh, apparently he backtracked a little bit, saying that he's thinking about going to Hawaii to take a look at the devastation. What about East Palestine? He never went there. He never went there. No, he didn't. Uh, this, this whole, there's so much to talk about. And let me just interject something real quick, because I know time is flying. But while all this stuff is hitting, um, I, I applaud... Tucker Carlson, because he's getting these interviews out while all this other stuff is going on over here, and his interviews have been so awesome with that Stephen Sund, who is the head of the Capitol Police, yeah. and now this latest one that hit last night with already three million views. Um, and that's a Robert Kennedy Jr. Robert- on Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which, yeah. which is a blockbuster. So we, I've watched half of it. I, this morning I watched half of it, and I want to see the other half as soon as I can, because it is amazing. And if you have... Any doubts? If you want to really find out what's really going on, this interview with Robert F. Kennedy is just absolutely astounding. And, and oh, by the way, if, if anybody can't get it, contact Bob or contact me, and, and I'll send it to you via Twitter, because not everybody, it's, it's on Twitter. So if you, if you can't get it, um, let us know, and we can send it to you, because it's, it's, you need, it's a must-see, they are must-see interviews, absolutely. must-see interviews. Linda, I always appreciate your commentary on the show, it's it's just like our lives, isn't it? <laughs> no, <right. laughs> Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here at today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for tomorrow, including Bob Levy, who's the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute, and Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Always appreciate Andy's viewpoint of what's going on. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. BobHardenHotmail.com Also, if you enjoy the show, I hope you pass on the word to your friends. It's one of the ways we support our advertisers and uh, can't do the show without them. Also, appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thank you.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.